0: You're listening to a Why Now podcast. This is Golden Nuggets podcast on whynow.co.uk. I'm your host, Al, and I'm a PE teacher of 15 years. This podcast is about interviewing key influencers in education and giving them a platform to deliver their story. I want to explore why and how they do what they do to better inform parents and pupils on their education journey. Okay, and welcome back to Golden Nuggets Podcast. Today I've got Lee Parkinson, a.k.a. Mr PICT. How are you, Lee? you okay? I'm very well, thank you very much. Enjoying this glorious sunshine, even though we're in lockdown?
1: Well, yeah, trying to make the best of it, that's for sure.
0: And I've um, been seeing you doing a few TikTok uh, videos just to keep the light entertainment with the, the kids, eh?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny on that one because uh, I've had my daughter sort of beg for a TikTok account because all the friends at school are doing it, and I'm very sort of uh, against until they're sort of old enough is my attitude because I think <laughs> once they start with it, that's that that's them lost then. So I've always put it off, but since lockdown, I was like, right, I'll tell you what, then we'll do it together, um, thinking that will you know that will keep her happy, and now I literally have to beg her if uh, if, if to get her to do one. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it went from her wanting to do it to to me being the cringy, embarrassing dad
0: trying to do all these dances. So, but yeah, it's keeping me entertained. And um, I suppose it sort of leads us into just chatting about, you know, what you do and who you are and all the rest of it. So, there's obviously a lot of um, listeners out there who probably know who you are because of, you know, your podcast has been a big success and stuff recently. And well done, yeah, to get yeah, to number one, awesome. mate. That's that's fantastic. Mate. Yeah,
1: yeah, that. it's been brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's been probably one of the. Positives from the whole lockdown, really. So, um, so yeah. So I've been a, I've been a primary school teacher now for uh, what will be thirteen years this year. Um, still work part time at the school that I've always been at, where I've I've I st- sort of started. Um, always felt sort of challenged there, so uh, I stayed on. Um, but yeah, about about well, it'll be well nine years ago. Um, we found out we were expecting and ended up having uh, triplets, so I had uh, two identical boys and a girl. And so uh, life very quickly changed, and I was sort of looking at uh, moving up towards management, in, in if not in my school, in another school. Uh, in fact, I had a couple of interviews at a couple of different places for sort of assistant head positions. Didn't end up getting them at the time. And so I sort of did a year, once a bit once the kids came along, did a year in school, and then sort of sat down with my head teacher. He sort of saw that I was struggling to get everything uh, done. And obviously my, you know, so much time was being spent looking after the kids at home. Um, so we sort of came to an arrangement of me coming out of the classroom and covering PPA across the school. So every teacher is sort of entitled to usually sort of half a day PPA where they can plan, uh, prepare, assess all that sort of stuff. Um so he sort of looks at that as a way of me getting experience across the school. So at that point, I'd only really uh, taught in Key Stage 2. So to help me with my professional development, he thought it'd be good for me to get experience down EYFS Key Stage 1. Um, and then he said, and I'd like you to develop your curriculum area, which at the time was uh, was ICT. Uh, Purely by accident, I don't have any sort of technology background really Everything I've ever sort of done or learnt has all been self-taught It was just a case of when I was an NQT, sort of eager to please NQT uh, I made a year six leavers video. So for the assembly at the end of the school year, I sort of made this video of all the pictures of their time through school and put like the Green Day, Time of Your Life song to it. And every every staff member was like, this is mind blowing. This is Oscar. When it wasn't, it was just some pictures to a song. But that sort of got <laughs> me the role of ICT coordinator. So um, so I sort of said, right, I, I, I'm, quite, I'm quite up for that. I am quite, um, quite like the sound of it. But what it does to invest in some decent kit because at the time, I think we were still running on Windows 95, so the technology in the school at the time wasn't great, so we looked at investing in a, a set of tablets, set of iPads. And so my role to begin with was just working with different year groups and looking at how this technology, which was fairly new at the time, you know, fairly, you know, everyone's got an iPad now, but at the time it was fairly new. Just looking at ways in which it can enhance learning, how it can support learning, how it can make learning more accessible, more purposeful, and... Um, At the same time, we started sort of dabbling a little bit in in social media, so sharing some of the work the children were doing through a school blog and a school Facebook page, school Twitter account, and that started to get quite a lot of uh, traffic, quite a lot of views and comments and that sort of thing. And we were getting some fantastic interaction with, with authors and poets. And and that was in giving such a sort of enriching experience to the children to have their writing, their work being seen by, you know, uh, authors all over the world. Um, and then I sort of started my own teacher blog. So I, what I was doing on that teacher blog was just uh, the, the work children were producing was going on the school blog. And then I do a blog on my teacher one sort of talking through how it was done and what apps and what. Programs we were using, and again that sort of just took off and um, started to teach a Twitter account, teach a Facebook page, and then towards of that uh, academic year, so what would that have been two thousand and fourteen? Uh, I got approached by Alan Pete. Now Alan Pete um, is one of the biggest sort of literacy consultants in primary education. Is you know over twenty years of experience. Is stuff still some of the best resources out there for for primary school. And he sort of got in touch and said, "Look, you've been recommended to us as someone who could potentially uh, work alongside us and sort of look at ways in which you can use technology creatively. Um, would you, would you, would you fancy it?" So we um, we had a little meeting, ch- sort of talked everything through, and it was really, really good of him actually, because what he didn't want me to do was uh, he didn't want me to work for him. He wanted me to set myself up as my own company, and he'd just work alongside me. And I always look back now because. Uh, being a a few years into this consultancy game you quickly realize that some companies would never go for that it'd be very much we want you to work for us and and you know we want to control you he was very much supportive of me creating my own thing and I'm I'm always so grateful for him and his wife Julie who helped me so much in those early days setting myself up as a business so um yeah I took the plunge of going part-time and it was quite Quite a risk at the at the time, you know, three, well, I've got a 16-year-old stepson as well. So four kids, um, you know, taking that jump into the unknown of no sort of certainty of getting the work with these other schools. And I always remember sitting around the table with my wife and she was sort of because she was a social worker at the time. And we we're sort of talking about taking the risk and would, we, would it happen? I always remember saying, look, if I don't do it, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Let's just give it six months, see how it goes and yeah it's just been uh, an onward upward journey since then really so uh it's been pretty incredible the last few years of, of obviously growing the business being able to work with hundreds of schools around the uk and beyond uh you know working with mod schools in germany i've worked with schools out in the uh, uae dubai Abu Dhabi, um and 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 all sorts so it's been it's been incredible i absolutely love it and i love the fact that i've got the best of both worlds so you know, part of the week I'm traveling here, there, and everywhere, going into schools, working with teachers, sort of helping them make more out of technology in their schools. But then being able to come into my school and still work with the kids each and every week, so it's um, it's uh, it's it's special. I absolutely love it.
0: I I think one thing that really sort of uh, you mentioned there about being self-taught. Yeah, I think that's such a big thing in this situation we're in right now there's there's either there's a few people who you can start seeing actually they've had a bit of space they've had a bit of time and now they're starting doing these pop-up entrepreneurs are popping up everywhere because they've had that space to do so you you took the plunge you took the plunge rather than being pushed but what I'm really interested in as well is is how like who gave you that confidence when you were younger not obviously necessarily now but let's talk about when you're at school and how did you gain that confidence to take you know the plunge rather than being pushed.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I've always been—I've always been quite quite confident. Really, I was uh, very much into acting when I was younger, and um, I did that quite a bit growing up. Uh, and and that's that's quite a tough sort of industry to try and get yourself in because it's constant rejection. You know, if your face doesn't fit what they want, then you cut. You know, no matter really how good you are, it's just someone's opinion a lot of the time. Um, so I did that all the way through my childhood and and it was fun funny i I ended up getting at one time I got through uh, an audition I got shortlisted to be uh, a character on Hollyoaks, I got down to like the last four I think it was and I was about 15 16 and it was just and, and the callback was on the same date as um you know Roslyn park sevens Yeah. Did you ever go there? Did you ever yeah, do that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah played there. So um, I had to miss Roslyn Park Sevens uh, and to do this audition, and at the time the lads just gave me such a, a rip, you know, proper, you know, banter sort of, giving it, giving it to me about having to miss the tour to go and do the acting and all that sort of stuff, and I regret it to this day. But I sort of turned my back on the acting after that. And that sort of, you know, when you're at that age, that tender age of peer pressure and that sort of thing, and I always look back and regret that, Um, so I mean, I have always been cutting up, just learnt those lessons, I've learnt those lessons that, you know, um, you you don't get anything for free in life, you just got to go and, you know, take whatever opportunity, I'm not a big believer in luck, I think people make their their own luck, Um, and so, you know, having that experience of acting but also the sports side of things i've always played sport i come from a very sort of sporty family very competitive family so um you know having two brothers who were always com- you know the three of us were always competing with each other uh and you know my brothers are incredibly competitive uh and so a lot of it the lessons you learn from sport i think really reflect a lot in life and this is what i always um I always talk about it with my own kids, and that's why I put, you know, I get try and get my own kids to get involved in as many sports as possible because, you know, the lessons you learn from sports, not just the exercise, the health side of things, but, you know, the friends you gain and the respect you gain and and that sort of thing just really helps with everything in life. Really,
0: it's interesting you mentioned about like drama having been knocked back and then the yeah, self yeah. and being self having to be very self aware. I'm guessing. Um, I didn't personally do any drama, but I, in some ways I sort of wish I'd, I'd done a little bit, actually. It sort of seems like yeah. a of fun in schools now.
1: Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I loved it, and I always look back and I always regret not sticking with it, really, um, especially because, not that I'm saying I was any good or anything, but over the past couple of years, the amount of English actors who have gone over to America and just absolutely just, you know, become the biggest thing in America. You got all, you know, I don't know whether it's just the last few years but you've got you know tom holland in marvel films benedict cumberbatch and martin freeman these actors who have come from england are just you know doing doing some incredible things over in 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 hollywood um but yeah it's 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 character building isn't it you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to um you've got to learn that you you felt you never you never fail anything until you stop trying i suppose
0: um, what, when you let's go to school again, was there anyone that teaches which you thought, you know what, he's he's the man or she's she's the woman? Like that's that's what I want to be like when I'm older. Or was it something you fell into when you just sort of enter uni, didn't really know what you wanted to do, and then you're like, actually no, nah, I'll give it a go.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I tried to do acting at uni and didn't get on the course, but uh, so teaching initially was sort of a fallback plan. I mean, I'd always loved school. Um, I'd always had a really positive experience at school and there was a couple of teachers that um, really sort of inspired me. At my school, there was a a teacher called Mr Crawford who was an English teacher and he was just unbelievable. Um, I mean, I was never really into English that much, reading and writing. Uh, I was much more maths. I loved my maths at school, but he just completely changed my world as far as English was concerned and uh, he was just unbelievable. The amount of respect I had for him was, was... uh unbelievable it's just unreal um unfortunately he passed away he ended up getting um cancer and he passed away when i was i was in sixth form and funnily enough it was the first funeral i ever went to was his funeral and just before he died because i went to a catholic school we'd gone on this um we'd gone on this residential to uh can't remember the name of it now i mean to be fair we we were sort of 16 17 and we got the chance to go away for a few days so you can imagine it was more sort of like once the teacher had gone to bed, we were drinking and all sorts. But I always remember one activity where one of the leaders sort of mentioned that one of our teachers wasn't well and was in hospital. And we all had to write a little note, a little letter to him. And uh, we never thought anything off it. And then obviously he passed away. And then we all went to the funeral. And at the funeral, they read out these letters and he read out my letter. And, oh, my God, I was in absolute bits. Uh, I don't think I've cried as much as I did that day. Um, so he had a huge impact on me and, 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 and very much inspired me to go down the teaching route, to be fair.
0: What do you think it was about him though, in terms of like that connection with from the teacher to to the pupil? Like what sort of things did he do? How did he make you feel?
1: He just had a he just demanded respect, but not in a threatening way. It just he just uh sort of used this presence of, you know, you knew where you stood with him, you knew that you could have a laugh, but it had to be within you know the right. it had to be done in the right way and he was he, he had such a good amazing sense of humor um but he just was yeah he just he just demanded the best out of you everything that you did he just got the best out of all of us um and just had a real knack for doing that and just could connect with 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 so many ch- children in different ways really so you know I had a very different relationship with him compared to a couple of my classmates but he managed to always be able to get the best out of us And, um, you know, I always remember the first lesson he had, he came, he walked in and he, you know, he made us all stand up and, he, you know, he was like very much like chest out. You know, that phrase you always hear. you know, don't smile until Christmas as a teacher. He very much (laughs) did that to begin with. It was it was all very, um, you know, really sort of uh, put the fear in you. first lesson. And I always remember he had this gold ruler that he just used to slap in his hands and he just make us all stand up. And then that that was all he ever had to do. And then from that point, you knew where the line was, and you knew you never wanted to cross that line. But you could have a bit of banter with him. You could have a real laugh with him. And 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 yeah, he was um, he was special. He was an amazing, amazing teacher.
0: And uh, in terms of like a lot of the stuff that you're doing right now, I mean, I I don't even know how you you do it all, mate. I mean, it's mental. You got blogging, you're Facebooking, you're on Instagram, you're doing podcasts. And you got yeah. four. And you got four kids. And you're not divorced, mate. I mean, that's, <laughs> how, how, how do you manage it, mate? It's, it's mental, uh,
1: mate. It, it, do you know what? I don't. I, I don't. I struggle with it uh, sometimes. The sort of time management. I don't always get the balance right with it. Um, you know, I, I'm trying my best, but you can. I can easily find myself. You know, working into the night or just looking at something on my phone and then, you know, you lose you lose half an hour or so. Uh, by no means am I'm a, I I'm a perfect getting the, the balance right with everything, but a lot of it I just, I just really enjoy. So the whole sort of so social media side of things, obviously I've got my teaching, I've got my CPD and training, I see that as sort of like my job, but then the sort of social media side of things is much more of a, of a hobby really. Um, and then obviously from that we've started the podcast so with my younger brother who also works in a primary school we've started our own podcast Two Mr P's in a podcast which um, is an educational podcast but it, it, it's not really it's you don't learn anything we just talk about life in the classroom but it's very much trying to spread a bit more positivity about the profession because I find you know teaching um, can can have such a negative sort of tinge on it at the minute and there's a lot of negativity around teaching and we wanted to just spread a bit more positivity and say you know actually you can do this job with a smile on your face it is amazing and no day is the same you can have a you know there's so many funny things happen so many you know the children will come out with all sorts that just um keep you what's the
0: what's the what's the funniest one you've heard recently because you must get thousands
1: Oh, we get all sorts. Yeah, I had one today. I mean, we're going to talk about on the podcast yesterday. We were talking about obviously with with the schools reopening and and um, EYFS and Year One being deemed the first classes to you know to come back. We we've sort of put a post out a while ago about um, you know why do you think EYFS children can't social distance and you know teachers were then sharing all these stories about examples of children just being <laughs> disgusting and um, one what we got sent to th- today was they had like a movie night in the school and this teacher sat there with a with a child sharing some popcorn and she picks out what she thought was like um sort of a seed a little you know it's not quite popped yet and sort of put it in and sort of oh this is a bit bit hard but oh, it must just be one of the s- sort of seeds and um and then the child turned around and was like I've lost my tooth uh the teacher the teacher had obviously without looking because they're in a dark dark room watching the film just picked this thing out stuck it you know and it turns out to be one of the children's teeth so Uh. (laughs) that that gave me a giggle today
0: but that's quality though I mean you're basically getting a load of people to put in their funniest stories and that's your material you don't even have to write a script that's that's absolutely gold yeah
1: I mean we've had we've we must be close to about a thousand stories that people have submitted that we've not even shared yet um and we just can't get through them all but it's it's been amazing like the uh, the lockdown um is obviously a tough and very you know challenging time for for all of us but um the podcast has has really sort of taken off in this time and I think obviously people might have a little bit more time on their hands, but I think what it's doing is it's just giving everyone a bit of a welcome distraction to everything else that's going on. People can go on the daily walk, just listen to me and my brother. Just um, I mean, to my well-being, and it's I absolutely love it because my brother's just absolutely hilarious. Once he gets going with a story or once he gets going with something, I just sit back and end up laughing my head off. So it's just been amazing knowing that it's helping so many teachers and uh, yeah, the stats have been unreal. So we've just surpassed sort of a million listens. And over the past week, we've been the number one educational podcast in the UK. And at one point, we sort of peaked at around 26 in the whole of the UK. So every podcast in the UK, we were up there sort of 26. So that's very much that's very much sort of like a, a hobby more than anything for uh, with with what I do same with the sort of social media and the v- videos and, and and things like that um and I know sort of the videos help a lot of teachers as well and I get so many messages from teachers who will say oh, I had such a tough day today at school this happened that happened but I got home and I watched one of your videos and it cheered me right up so knowing that social media is giving me the opportunity to make a difference and 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 entertain a lot of people is 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 amazing really and i think again coming back to what i was saying before i think the acting background really helps with that as well um so yeah it's 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 brilliant i do, I absolutely love it it's it's great
0: one thing that really stands out for me as well like you, you say like working smarter not harder and then yeah, yeah. trying to address that work-life balance i think there's absolutely. so i think you know there's so many people that just get it wrong um, absolutely but a few models that I've looked at, so like thirty-hour weeks, for example.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Finland going into the phenomenal learning pro- project. So sort of. I think we're doing a bit of that anyway in in, in British primary schools. Anyway, but it's quite yeah. an interesting concept, isn't it? Working smarter, yeah. not working as hard, but you know, using technology to help you out. I mean, is, well, is fair, there a role that... of social? Is there is there a role of social media to actually enhance yeah. in your teaching there as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, for me as a teacher, I was sort of saying before that everything I've ever come across has been self-taught. But my best form, the best form of CPD I've, I've had is from social media. It's from using Facebook, Twitter to be able to connect with education educators all over the world. And uh, I always get asked by a lot of sort of unis, colleges and that sort of, they say, you know, have you got any advice for NQTs, newly qualified teachers? And I always say, you know, use social media because you know if you get a job as a teacher and you're in a you might be in one school and if something happens or you don't get the support that you you need uh you can feel very sort of alone in your own little school but what social media does is provides a global staff room that you can connect with and there's always someone who's willing to help and willing to talk and willing to support you and that's the one great thing about our profession is we are there for each other and we do look after each other and you don't have to be working at the same school to have that support from other teachers around the world. So social media is definitely a, a, a positive. I mean, it's it's choices, isn't it? This is what I always talk about on a lot of my training. I always talk about with my children is, you know, we don't have a choice of, well, we you know, we don't have a choice about using social media. The choice we make is how well we do it. And and with a lot of the technology, so much technology gets a bad rep and don't get me wrong there's some bad things that are happening but there's also some amazing things you look at the advancements being made in medicine you look at how you know virtual reality is being used to help people walk again you look at the advancements being made as far as you know uh, 3d printing to actually print body parts there's so many incredible things happening with technology um It's all about choices. It's all about how we choose to use it. And it's the same with social media. Social media can be addictive. It can have some negative elements to it, but it can also be incredibly powerful, incredibly useful. So it's about teachers finding those positives and finding those ways in which to use it. But going back to the sort of working smarter, not harder stuff, um, you know, in my time as a teacher, I've seen us go through this huge workload crisis, which has had a, a massive effect on Uh, Recruitment and and retention and and I love teaching. I think teaching is the best job in the world when you get the environment right in a school. Unfortunately, in this country, um, you know there's there's quite a few schools that aren't getting that environment right, and there's quite a few reasons for that. Um, You know, I think the biggest illusion that our profession has has struggled with over the past few years is this idea that uh, and far too many schools work to this model. You know, the more you monitor and scrutinise a teacher, the more you'll raise standards. And in my view, that's the complete opposite. The more you monitor and scrutinise a teacher, the worse the teaching is. Um, Because what a teacher ends up doing then is just wasting so much time you know, proving that they're doing the job that they should be just trusted to do. So, you know, a lot of the mes- the messages that I try and share as far as working smarter, and not, not harder isn't necessarily down to the technology. The technology can help in lots of ways. The technology can make us work more efficiently, more effectively. But a lot of the time it starts with the culture within the school. And the one thing that I see in lots of schools is that, you know, teachers aren't just trusted to do the job that they're very capable of doing. Um, And that comes right from the top and sort of feeds its way down. Um, But the schools that are really making a difference, especially with things like Ofsted this year, um, you know, it's not the ones who are focusing on ticking as many boxes to, because they think that's what Ofsted wants to do. They're the ones who have said, right, we need to create this environment that teachers, they're giving that autonomy, they're giving that trust to just be doing the best job that they can do. We're not going to bother with the you know, constant scrutiny, the monitoring, the butt scrutiny, marking policies. We're going to trust in our teachers to, do, to know that they're professional, know that what, what they're doing is right, and then results will sort of speak for themselves. And it's those schools that I'm seeing are getting the best outcomes as
0: far as Ofsted's concerned. Yeah, one thing that I find interesting is, like, where's the legacy? Like, if we're going to talk about, like, what impact you've made, why don't we get a bunch of 25-year-olds or 30-year-olds who've been through the system you've been through and get yeah. them to tell their stories to Ofsted about how their school impacted them and what opportunities it gave for them? Because that's, yeah. that's ultimately it. It's not about getting them into red brick universities. It's not about getting onto vocational courses. It's about, are they doing a job that they love? Are they passionate about yeah. it? Or have they got a good mental yeah. well-being? And unless we get that legacy chat, then it's just a load of nonsense. Like you said, it's just box ticking. Yeah, I mean, you do you do, any, do you do any stuff with, you know, like obviously you work at primary, but do you ever get any of the secondary kids that have left and get them back in and say, oh, yeah, Mr. P was calling? Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had a few. I mean, it's a bit scary now because I'm getting on a bit because, uh, you know, I've got a, a couple of children that were in my first well, – they're not children anymore – but um a couple of pupils from my first ever class uh, are now qualifying to be teachers. Um which is, is is a scary thought. But then at the same time the fact that they're coming back into our profession, you know, we we must have done something right. We did we didn't put them off, so to speak. Unless they've gone down the route of right, well he was a terrible teacher. So I don't want anyone else to go through the same thing that we went through. I hope it's I hope it's not that one. Um but yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, I love the work of uh, Simon Sinek. Have you ever come across Simon Sinek yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I love like the Golden Circle of the uh, the why, the how, and the and the what. And I think there's a lot in that that schools can learn from. And 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 interestingly enough, with the whole Ofsted, the change with, within Ofsted over the past year or so, the new inspection framework. They pretty much have ripped that off with their intent implementation impact, it's just another word, it's just another way of showing that, that golden circle of look, why are we doing what we're doing, how are we going to implement our why and then what are we expecting at, at the end of it that is ultimately the intent implementation impact, so I talk a lot about that on, on uh, uh, with, with, with teachers and with schools and that is nothing to do with technology because the technology usually comes in there with the how and the what, it's getting teachers to find their why and when you actually dig that when you speak to teachers and you dig into that no no teacher goes into the profession you know because they want kids to pass a sats test or you know uh, they want to be told that they're outstanding by ofsted they get into this profession because they want to make a difference you know they want to work with these children to provide better outcomes for these families and i think sometimes the way the job is and the, and the pressures and the, and the accountability that come with the job at times can sometimes make teachers lose that why. So you know I try and remind them of look this is this is why you've chosen to do this job. Let's get back to that and let's look work from the you know the inside out so to speak. And then that where can technology sit? Where can technology help make make learning? Because for me the biggest the biggest focus for me with technology at the minute is looking at how it can add a real purpose to children's learning. I think purpose has to be at the heart. Of everything you do in a classroom, um, if you can't answer the question, you know, if the answer to the question of why we're we doing this, Mr. Parkinson, is because it's going to be on a SATs test or because you know I'm going to mark it, I mean, we've lost we've lost the point there. Um, and I think what technology can do is just uh, make everything so so purposeful. And again, social media can come into that. So I, I talk a lot of the time about um, you know never leaving the writing that children do as the end product. We live in a world now where we're surrounded by rich visual media, where children want to be vloggers and they want to be YouTubers and they want to be this and that. And I'm always, that's fine, but there's a process to that. You know, uh, every YouTuber, big vlogger, TV star, whatever, you know, that all starts as as someone sitting down and writing and planning in the same way that you planned a few questions for this, in the same way that I will plan a few ideas and notes for anything that I do. And so it's getting children to value the writing, knowing that that's part of the process. So, you know, that's what I always try to do is we'll work on these projects and it'll be like, right, well, we're going to do some writing. But if we get that writing done and done well, we're going to be able to use the technology to turn it into a BBC news report, into a film trailer, into a green screen project, whatever it might be. And having that as the end product has a knock-on effect on everything else. So, you know, the writing starts to matter to the children. They care about the writing. They, you know, they want that writing to be their best it can possibly be. They're not driven by me telling them that they're going to get a certain standard, you're going to be expected to stand a greater depth. They're doing it because they know they're going to get something at the end that is very, very, uh, uh, something that they're incredibly proud of and brings in so many different elements and skills in itself. So the performing element of creating a video at the end. So let's say we're doing, well, I'll talk you through a project, if you want, of one we did um, a while ago. So there was a film that came out on Netflix a few years ago, this one, Blackfish. Have you ever come across that the film Blackfish? No. About the SeaWorld whales and um, keeping them in captivity and that. So it's a really good documentary. I think you can still get it on Netflix. And I sort of um, I watched that over the summer and and, and I went into to, to school and we were sort of talking about it. and a girl had just been to SeaWorld. So we we're doing sort of show and tell and she wanted to talk about what she'd done in SeaWorld and I it led me on to then talking about this film that I'd seen and how. You know, it was sort of talking about how, you know, captivity isn't the best environment for killer whales and, and that sort of thing. And the children were just really sort of into it. So I decided to go with it a little bit further and we uh, we started learning more about it. And then the children had to go at writing uh, a little text about uh, keeping whales in captivity. And then we we filmed it. So we created a little film of the children talking about, uh, you know would you let it was sort of this idea of would you let it happen to me so all these things that happen to whales in captivity they were sort of making this video of you know would you let this happen to me um, and the answer is no so why do we let it happen to these whales and we put it out on our school Facebook page because that's the other thing that I always come back to is once the children do create work whether it's written whether it's on a, an iPad you know get it out there to the world. To, to share, Give them a platform because um, you ask anyone, why does anybody write? You write for it to be read. You update your Facebook status for other people to read. Mm. So why do we not use social media, the internet as a platform to give children an audience? And this is what I'm always saying. If you get that done and done well, it will go on the school Facebook page forever. Anyone from anywhere at any time will be able to see it. I'll be able to tweet it to David Williams. I'll tweet it to Oliver Jeffers. I'll do this and that. Uh, they don't always get back, but they might do, and so again, that adds the purpose to the work that we're doing. Um, so we we tweeted it, we tweeted and put it out on our Facebook page. This little video, and um, yeah, it sort of blew up, and we had um, a few of the cast members from the film get in touch. I got a message from the director of the film the next day, sort of saying that she was blown away by it. She she thought it was amazing, and whether we'd like to Skype with her to find out to, to learn more about it. So we arranged to Skype with. Um, well, we wanted to do it with the director, but something happened. She couldn't do it. But we did it with one of the old SeaWorld trainers over in America, and she features in the films, Samantha Berg, she's called. And we had this amazing Skype conversation where the children were able to share uh, questions and just learn so much more about it. And, um, and, and, and yeah, it's just that, that was just one example of, uh, you know, how we were able to do one little uh, sort of topic in class and take it to a global stage. Um and we ended up we ended up winning a Peter Award. Actually, we got some sort of compassionate uh, class of the year award as well, which was which was amazing. So uh, the power of social media, when it's used in the right ways, is, is unbelievable, and it can impact so many other areas of the curriculum if it's utilised in the right way uh, by giving children that purpose. And 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 that's what I'm always looking for those opportunities to connect my classroom with the world. Um, just to make. That Do you think learning there's something in having?
0: Do you think there's something in uh, having your own sort of primary school TV show like Davy Hume? It's Davy Hume, isn't it? The primary school, the the yeah, 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 Davy Hume primary TV show, and then all the big, big projects go into it, and then you stream it live or do whatever, as long as you get permission. Yeah, I mean.
1: The poss- possibilities are endless. I mean, we always make sure we've got the permission for everything. And so, mm. you know, if there's any children who, for one reason or the other, whether it's child protection or whatever it might be, um, you know, they will take a different role. They might be the ones filming. They might be the ones doing more of the editing of everything. Um, but we tend to put it together as a real class project. And we've we've had some amazing uh, sort of feedback. And uh, and that's just one example. We did another one where uh, we did some work with Greenpeace uh, based on the orangutan advert from last year, um, I don't know if you saw that one it was the one that Iceland wanted to use as the Christmas advert. Do you remember that
0: I might have mate, I've watched so much TV over the last <laughs> yeah. year I can't
1: it was doing the round, I think it was like last year last summer, and then they wanted to use it for oh it might have been the year before actually but um yeah, we did some work around that and um, ended up that Greenpeace came into our school to film my class for the next advert, so my class ended up featuring the next advert for Greenpeace. Um, amazing. And we amazing. And we ended up making and writing a class e-book, so all the children had a page of a class e-book where they uh, wrote about orangutans, and we ended up um, publishing that to the iBookstore store and selling it as a book, so all the children in my class became published authors. We were selling it for fifty p, with all the money going back to Greenpeace and WWF. And after and again, your cut, that- you
0: could go part time, yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, no, and um, and yeah, when
1: that was first released, that ended up being the uh, eighth best-selling ebook in the whole of the UK for the weekend. That's
0: unbelievable. And
1: um, I mean, they raised well over five hundred quid. for for the charities, which, again, it's just just unbelievable. So I always say, because I I come across a lot of teachers who are very sceptical of technology because they see the the bad habits, they see how it can be very distracting. They see how – because I always talk about the the two ways in which you can use technology, and that's using it as a consumer or being a creator. And the consuming side of things is what 95% of people who have a smart device will do. You know, most of us are consumers. Anyone listening to this, you're consuming the content. If you're scrolling through Facebook, you're consuming the content. You're watching a YouTube video consuming, listening to music, whatever it might be. And there's a place for that. There's great tools that we can use that come under that umbrella. but that tends to be the only way in which children experience the technology. So, most of the children, if they've got their own smartphones or their own tablets, they just use it as a consumer. They're playing video games, they're watching videos, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What I think we should be doing in schools is we should be empowering children to know how to create with the technology. So, not just uh, you know, reading ebooks, they're writing and publishing their own ebooks. They're not just browsing the web, but publishing to the web. They're not just watching videos, they're recording their own videos. Um, and, in, and it's in that use of the technology that makes it so much more empowering. So again on a lot of the training that I do it's about showing teachers that 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 change of look it's not about consuming. Yes, there's a time where we can do that to learn and to acquire knowledge. But if we can start creating through the t- technology, we start to apply it and we start to apply it for effect, and that's where we can really make a difference, and we can transform teaching and learning.
0: Yeah, I used one of your tips actually the day. I'm, I've got to uh, admit the uh, the avatar one. I thought sort of was like, right, what I'll do is I'll just start off with the create my avatar and just speak about what we're going to do in the lesson, then just post it on Google Classroom and see what the kids <laughs> yeah. say. And they had yeah. a right gig. I mean, they're sixth form kids, so they, they just thought it was hilarious anyway because they know I'm a big kid anyway. But um, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that took away to absolute treat mate. So thanks for that. Um, it's no, funny well, though, it's... like, I think it's great though, the time that we're in now um, in terms of like doing this Zoom meet and we're doing this yeah. podcast And um, like you said, like that global connectivity. And uh, mm-hmm. I've got a guy from New Zealand actually on Thursday who's uh, he's right. a mental skills coach. Um, yeah, yeah for the Chiefs, a guy called Darren Walsh. And I've just literally went on LinkedIn and I was like, he's talking a lot of sense. I then yeah. sent him a message. He was like, yeah, here's, here's my webinar, come and chat. My point here, though, is is not that I'm doing this. It's more the fact that now, even more so, I think this is a great time to actually see what other countries are doing and, and actually not let the media dictate to us what's good and what's not. Let's get out there and actually figure it out ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, the, and, the, and that's what you've we've got the opportunity to do and if we utilize it in the right way it connects us more than we've we've ever been connected before and you know that's the same in 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 classrooms i mean we we've um, we've we've been able to do the same and connect with we've done christmas around the world projects where we skype with classrooms in different countries to learn about their, how they celebrate Christmas, the different traditions, that sort of thing. And, you know, sing. You know, the children will sing some of the carols that they've been learning <laughs> in class. But the fact that they're able to, to and it's, it's giving them those experiences and, and they're growing up in a the world then where they see these opportunities and it gets them thinking about where it can go next. And, you know, I think we've, we've got a responsibility of, of uh, you know, uh, embracing this technology we've got now. So the children know where it can go in the future, um, and it is it's some of the stuff you read and some of the, and especially with with you know you know the lockdown and uh, everything that's happened during this time to see how schools have been able to stay connected through the technology. I just really hope that once we're back to normal, whenever that might be. You know, we don't go back to, you know, we've, we've, we've almost been forced to go two steps forward in lots of ways. Lots of teachers have had to step outside the comfort zone and, and do a lot of uh, CPD themselves to get used to these tools, to be able to do online learning, remote learning, that sort of thing. I want to make sure we build on that as a profession. And so we can look at ways in which we can take what we've been able to achieve during this period and build on it when we're back to normal, not sort of take two steps back and say, right, let's go back everything in pay- on paper, everything in books, this, that, and the other. You know, we've got an opportunity off the back of this to not just with, with uh, technology, but with with everything we do as teachers is to say, you know, what we were doing before, is that is that as important now? I think it, what hopefully this experience or this, Lockdown and 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 quarantine period will give a lot of schools his real perspective about what really matters as far as what education means for for their children and their school sort of environment.
0: What do you think? I mean, the future. I mean, you touched on what you you thought the future might look like there. But do you think after? Uh, I didn't want to go too much into like the temporary measures that we're going to have to do with the you know early years, but. Because yeah. this will, you know, they will probably ride it out and it might go intermittent lockdowns, but it's all speculation. Mm-hmm. But do you think after all of this, you know, if there's, after the virus is gone and we've got a vaccine, do you think that there will be any significant changes because of this time? Or do you think we uh, will?
1: I'd I, I like to think so. I'd hope so. Um but I'd, I I won't be surprised if, if if not to be honest, um, I'd I'd love it to I'd love us to to be able to move forward as a profession to be able to take stock at what we were doing before and go actually you know that doesn't matter anymore does it We were doing that, but it wasn't having any impact. It was wasting our time. And through this whole you know period, we've realised that time is precious, life is precious. And this is what I always say to teachers: Ask yourself the question: Is what I'm doing now going to have a direct impact on the children's learning? And if the answer is no, don't do it. You know, um and that's not a digger necessarily school leadership, don't get me wrong. That can that can be the factor there. But it's also teachers themselves. Teachers can be reluctant to change a lot of the time. Um but I mean, I mean, I've been teaching what twelve years, and the amount of changes I've seen we're constantly having to adapt, we're constantly having to evaluate we're constantly having to move forward, and I think that's what makes a really effective teacher is someone who's doesn't rest on the laurels, doesn't always stay as the art' be, being able to take on new ideas, uh use them, adapt them, evaluate yep yeah, that makes me better or oh, I don't like that, we'll move away from that and you know there's a there's a lot of a lot of learning going on for for a lot of teachers at the minute with this whole you know situation we find ourselves in um so i like I, I hold on to the hope that as a profession off the back of this we're going to be able to move forward especially with the working smart and harder stuff and sort of say look if it wasn't having an impact before if it's not you know taking a lot of time and not having a direct impact on the children let's scrap that and let's focus on what works well and what what you know m- makes a difference
0: and if uh if we're going to try and i'm going to try and wrap this up now into some golden nuggets. Um, yeah what would they be for f- for you for um you know a bit of advice for, for any parents out there listening thinking okay, so what do I need to be doing with my kids
1: um well i think i mean it's shared shared experience if you've got a child who uh you know once wants, wants their own uh device i mean we we we've um we've always held off i mean we've got devices in our household. Um, but the children don't have their own device. They can use it if they want to do certain things, but everything's very sort of limited. We're really strict on a lot of the boundaries because I know how easy it is for for them to become so fixated on it, and it's about finding that sort, sort of balance. So, you know, it's about positive experiences with the technology. It's showing them that they've always got a choice. It's about having discussions, open discussions about it, um, but, yeah, I mean, I've always had these golden rules of parenting that I'd, uh, I've, I've often shared. Not that I think I'm a brilliant parent, because I said before, I don't always get the balance right with everything that I do. And sometimes I can find myself working too much. But I try and instill these sort of little life lessons in my kids just to, you know, prepare them for the world that they're growing into. So if I could leave you with a, a few golden nuggets as far as advice as a parent that I give my children, it's, uh, it's number one, life's not fair. Right. Uh, and the sooner you realize that, the better. Uh, I say that to my kids all the time, you know, and it turns out to be a great excuse as a parent when you, when you're in the supermarket and the children <laughs> say, can I have this chocolate bar? And you're like, no. And they're like, why? And you're like, cause it's, life's not fair. Um, rule number two is you get nothing in life for free. So anything you want to achieve, anything you want in life, you've got to work your socks off to get it. No, one's going to give you anything. And even if they do, it doesn't mean anything. It, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't last, doesn't mean anything. Um, you, you, you get out what you put in uh, rule number three and this is an important one and sort of links a lot to sort of social media is this idea that not everyone's going to like you and there's nothing you can do about it you know I find that a lot of people can become so obsessed with craving validation from absolutely everyone and you can literally be the nicest person in the world sound as a pound but you'll still get people who think you're an idiot no matter what you do you know uh, people still won't like you don't concern yourself with these people. Uh, and I've had it before where my daughter will come back from school and she'll sort of say, you know, oh, such a person won't play with me. And I say, well, that's, that's fine. That's their choice. Go and find someone else who will play with you because there'll be someone. You know, you'll always be, be able to find someone. Just don't worry about it because, you know, to be fair, sometimes you can be really annoying. Um, and, and then rule number four, if you've got a problem about something, the only way you solve the problem is to talk to someone about it. The longer you keep a problem in, the worse it's going to get. Um, so no matter how big, how small a problem is, you know, you can always speak to someone, whether you think it's me, whether it's, you know, whoever it might be, always be, you know, uh, it doesn't make you weak to talk about any sort of problem you have. And then the last one, which is more of a recent uh, addition because of the whole situation, is understanding that there's certain things in life you can't control. Um, so you can't worry about that. The only thing you can control is how you react to it. And so it's trying to do that. You know, we've tried a lot with with the current situation of t- turn it into as much of a positive experience as possible, because I think w- with with the lockdown for me, I was so uh, work driven, and I'm I'm here, there, and everywhere. You know, it's given me real time to to reflect on. You know, being more present with the kids. You know, my job is full on, and there's a lot of travelling, uh, and a lot of work that goes on. So being able to have this time to spend with the kids and. You know it is tough and it's worrying. Don't get me wrong. It's but you know we've got an opportunity as parents to to create an experience for our children where they'll always look back at this time. You know, as as a positive one, Mm -hmm. they they don't understand the ins and outs. Um, But I want my children in ten years to be able to look back and go. Oh, do you remember that time where we had to stay in the house quite a bit, and we, you know, we played out in the garden, and we did this, and we made this, and we cut bread, and we did all these sort of amazing things, and so, you know, my
0: dad made me do we loads of TikTok con- videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: dad made me do all that silly dancing, all that sort of jazz. Yeah, but yeah, so it's about giving, giving, you know, being able to provide those those positive experiences, and you know, we can't, you know, there's, no one could have controlled. Uh, the spread of the virus. Well, you know what I mean. We we've got no yeah, control yeah. over that, but we can control how we react to it. We control how we um, we go about day to day at the minute when we are stuck in, and we can make it as we can make it amazing for our for our children. So yeah, so they're my golden nuggets for for parenting. My sort of five it was five, wasn't it? Yeah, five little uh, golden rules that I I try and stay stick by myself. Sometimes I struggle with that. Um uh, you know I do get a bit the, the odd message with uh with all the social media stuff that can be quite negative quite nasty and uh yeah, I try and follow my own own advice with that, but yeah, certainly try and instill it in my kids to try and get them to uh hopefully grow up and be uh well rounded positive digital citizens
0: well mate look it's been absolute pleasure having you on and uh it's been great to talk to another fellow mank, mate so uh you've made my day anyway with with that so yeah yeah no it's been been great thank you. But yeah thanks for sharing all the all the positive advice.
1: No thank you very much thanks for having me. Cheers.